Welcome to the Shelfformers, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and today we're going to discuss the recent season one of Loki. We've been holding off talking about it until the season finished, and it finally has. I'm your co-host, Darby, and we'll be talking about the Loki action figures that we have, ones that we're getting and we want to see, as well as our thoughts on the show. The multiverse opens many doors, and we walk through them all on today's episode. Before we get into today's episode, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of several novels now, including Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant and a contributor for Star Wars Newsnet. I'm also part of the Movie News Network podcast, talking all things movies, TV, and pop culture. And I'm Sugu, your co-host. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures, uh, I've been collecting Transformers since about 2004 when I moved to Japan. Uh, I'm very interested in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. I work in IT and education, but you can also find some of my travel writing on allaboutjapan.com, where I have written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. So we're talking about Loki today, and probably the best place to start uh, is just the the one action figure we have at the moment, which is Loki, uh, the variant Loki from the Marvel Legends wave. That's sort of a grab bag way for the MCU, the Disney Plus series with Wanda, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and Loki, which still hasn't come to Japan yet. Hasn't come to Japan. I this is the first Marvel Legends wave that I've bought in its entirety, I think ever. Really. Yeah, um, and it has entirely to do with Sam. So the Build-A-Figure is not actually a figure. It's the wings for uh, Cap's uh, suit. I don't I don't hate it, the Build-A-Wings thing. I don't like it. It doesn't feel as substantial as the, like a Build-A-Figure, but you, you kind of have to have them. And it's really cool put together. I have some quibbles that I won't derail the episode about Loki by talking about Sam's wings, but... <laughs> um, it's uh it's cool i like it but i had to have them all i bought it. these are all figures that i really wanted anyway mm-hmm. uh loki as a figure himself i think is probably the weakest figure in the group um yeah. and that's mostly because he is a he is the one figure that's a total reuse in the group and this is a figure he's built on a body which marvel legends fans have seen several times now uh, this body is sort of the the sort of a guy in a suit body. <laughs> yeah. And so it, I was going to say, this has been the Agent Coulson body. It's been the Tony Stark body. It's been the Bruce Banner body. It's been the Nick Fury body. Uh, it's been a lot of bodies. <laughs> uh, it's also been uh, Lewis, right? Con yes, Man Lewis. Lewis, yep. And Lewis so well. I'm pretty sure it's also the uh, Ulysses Claw. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think the one so. that not hundred percent into the closet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> not a hundred percent on that one, but he has some different parts. He had, so I think he has like sort of a vest, suit, vest jacket kind of thing going on. Uh, Loki has some unique parts too, in that he's wearing a new jacket mold, his variant jacket, and the arms that might be new. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is total reuse down to the fact that if you look under his vest, he's got a uh, gun strap on. Loki's not packing in, in uh, <laughs> the MCU. <laughs> so this is, as fans will know, this is the original uh, yeah. Agent Coulson body. So 
Um, and it's a new head too. This is a new head for uh, Tom Hiddleston from the MCU. This is one of the better Loki heads. I don't think that this um, sort of paint wise, cast wise, I don't think this one came out as good as some of the others in the wave. Like no, this is the, it like looks at least yeah. in pictures because I don't yeah. have it yet. Uh, according to Amazon, it will be here someday. Someday, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let it, yeah, they, they're telling me I can expect it sometime in September. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, I don't have the figure. I don't know what it what it looks like outside of pictures, but it looks kind of gummy to me. Kind of like okay. the sculpt plastic. Is, yeah, the sculpt is definitely there. Um, the gumminess, I think you're talking about, it might be a product of the plastic that they're using because he comes in a wave that has Baron Zemo in it, which this is creepy. This little Daniel Boulder, he's like, "Mm," and it's like, you know, that's your man right there. And then you got Wanda, who this is another great likeness, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, um, one of the better ones they've done. Uh, they've done a bunch of Scarlett Johansson figures for Widow recently that are all just, it's just, you know, they shrunk Scarlett. So um, Tom Hiddleston has one of those faces, maybe, um, you know, uh, that are maybe hard to realize even when you're doing the scanning. I don't know. But it, he, as a figure, he doesn't come, he's an essential figure, especially if you're a fan of the show as I am. But um, man, you know, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because there are, you know, his choices go, his figures go in the in the in the series. Um, there are so many that they could have done. Um, they chose this one, I think, mostly because um it is an important costume that he wears, but it was also gave them the best opportunity to skimp. Yeah. On, absolutely on re- parts <laughs> and reuse, you know. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I was looking at that mold, and oh my god, there's a U.S. agent in there. Uh, he's going into the closet. Um, <laughs> yeah, into the closet with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about him. But um, like, if you look at the rest of the wave, all of those designs are interesting, right? Like, you don't see oh, yeah. them in regular day. They look interesting. They, there's something to look at. Then you get yep. to that TVA Loki, and it's just, it's just a dude, as you said, a dude in a suit. Like that's it. Like it's just kind of it. It's just not interesting on the shelf. He's just not interesting really at all. So certainly among the Loki figures they've done uh, from the MCU, he's the least interesting visually. They've done some pretty ornate Lokis from the movies. Um, and then the sort of the boringness kind of continues. So like um, the next figure they're doing from Loki, this is the only Loki figure so far, but he's not going to be the last by any stretch. Yeah, they released, they revealed a Sylvie Loki, right? Yeah, so Sylvie, so Sylvie is coming in uh, a wave here a little bit later. And this is uh, definitely one I'm all about. I'm going to get her. She's coming. My understanding is she's coming uh, with the what if figures some point here in September, I think. That could Um, be interesting. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited about Sylvie. I love Sylvie. And we'll talk more about the show as we get into the episode today. Um, But Sylvie was absolutely one of my favorite parts of the show. She's not alone, though. She's she's um, going to be accompanied by uh, Mobius. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. who is we were just talking about man in a suit. Uh, here's that same figure again as Mobius. So Owen Wilson's going to get a Mobius figure. This actually figure is uh, exclusive to Target in the states. Okay. Um. So, but he's a must-have if you're a fan of the show. So this is the same figure as Loki. He has a new uh, suit jacket as well as some accessories, which are very important. Uh, little time stick, time pad. At this point, I mean, I'm sorry, it, but it kind of feels like that Simpsons Malibu Stacy reference, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's got a new head. I want it, I want yeah. it, I want it. Yeah. But um, so these are the only figures we know of that are kind of coming. Mm-hmm. um at the moment and then um there are so many they could do like for me personally like i feel like they kind of have there's a alligator loki i think is one that we need to kind of see well Old man uh, loki. as we were talking about last week um yeah, on the pops yeah yeah on the pops they already have a old man loki alligator loki and kid loki it's Loki, yeah. Like I'd love to, I'd love to see. Okay, I know what I said about it's just a dude in a suit, but I would love to see a President Loki. President Loki, I think, is one they could easily do. Um, he would be, he would be mostly this figure that we've seen, but they, he'd be some new parts. And then classic Loki, sort of the Richard E. Grant Loki, which is a figure I just, I, I, they have to do. I think would be mostly new, even though he's, he looks essentially like the comics one the boastful loki uh would be an all-new figure but i think yeah. he'd be tremendous i uh, absolutely want a boastful loki figure i think he's great he was the one who had sort of the hammer the molnir that uh yeah. looked like he basically he welded a wrench to a railroad tie <laughs> i don't know if it was actually meant to be molnir or he just made his own and called it that or you know what i mean we don't I, we never really found out I don't know. I, I think it'd be cool to to have a boastful Loki. And I know that, you know, like with the Funko Pops, that's the only one that they didn't make. Yeah, they haven't announced him yet. He's got to be around the corner. They'll, they'll be covering everybody there. The President Loki they haven't done yet either uh, for yeah. Funko, and I'm sure they'll do him too. There's a brand of toy here called Cost Baby. I don't know if yeah, you've yeah. heard of it. Oh, yeah. They have a President Loki out already. <laughs> Yeah, there's like so many like and then going on, uh, by the way, folks, uh, if you haven't seen Loki, we'll be talking, uh, we'll be talking all about it. So spoilers, if you haven't seen Loki, I think we've already spoiled a hell of a lot of the show, a lot of it. But just uh, for <laughs> uh, just FYI, uh, you should uh, duck out if you haven't seen it yet and come back because a couple of the other major figures that I think that they have to do and I assume they will. Uh, are the he who remains who is the big bad of the season mm-hmm. and then maybe possibly the timekeepers too even though they sort of you know they obviously turned out to be sort of your wizard of oz guys but i think they'd be cool as like figures i'd and love to Ra- see renslayer ravona yeah i think ravona would be terrific as a figure i kind of hope that they do make her um, and, the, and also yeah. the uh, other cop the cop who was uh basically the main the one who shifted and then got imprisoned yeah. uh this is agent c20 uh played by this is one me masaku mm-hmm. who plays her no no i'm sorry c20 was the was the agent i'm thinking of b15 they have different designations yeah 
uh, C20 was the agent who uh, got who Renslayer killed. Uh, B15 is the one you're thinking of, the lead agent, and that's one Mimasaku mm-hmm. uh, who eventually ends up helping uh, Sylvie and Loki. Yeah, she would be great. Uh, she's a great actress. I love her. She was she was in Lovecraft Country along with Jonathan Majors, who plays He Who Remains. Uh, both terrific actors. But yeah, that'd be cool. They, they could make everybody just sort of a generic guard from the mm-hmm. TVA would be cool to have, do some army builders. One thing that may not be obvious to folks watching the show is that the individual costumes of the guards, the Minutemen and the TVA are all different. Um, oh, really? They appear to be a standard costume, but actually they're, uh, they have different panel borders. It's sort of a black, sort of kind of gold, not quite gold, uh, two-tone thing. And the gold interplays between the arms and legs and sleeves, so no two of them match. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's not immediately obvious, right? They just sort of, they all look the same, but uh, if you look hard at them, you'll start to notice that. It's mm-hmm. weird, because the gold, to me, just scans as dark. It's very, especially in that lighting, but mm-hmm. um, it almost doesn't register at all. Yeah, um, I've not noticed that at yeah and they have uh almost all of them have the tva logo very bright red or orange one of the two i can't tell because it's muted uh is either on their legs or their arms and it's it's interesting so that's kind of cool really cool a lot of great costume details in this series i I wrote an article for my other job about sylvie's costume Mm -hmm. and um it's fascinating all the little details in it um that, that you know especially in contrast to loki her her costume obviously takes some detail from the loki mcu costumes it's just to provide that sort of through line but it's it's a lot of really interesting details there so i'm looking forward to the figure sylvie my absolute favorite character from the show and then yeah they could just make tons of loki figures i'd buy them all but gotta have all the variants so yeah i'm gonna say we'll see we'll see them all at some point We'll see Richard E. Grant. We'll see Boastful Loki. I'll, I'll say we'll get a Kid Loki, Alligator Loki two-pack. They'll throw okay. them in together. And uh, we'll definitely see He Who Remains for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Who else would be good on that show or from that show? I mean, you so, could make a giant, uh, what's his name? Eliath? Eliath. <laughs> that could be an interesting figure. That could be interesting. Sort of, he's sort of a cloud, but yeah, he'd be interesting. So many possibilities. There's a kid Sylvie that we saw briefly. That is a possibility. Yeah, probably, probably down the list. By the way, here. you've seen that Marvel Select Loki with Kid Loki, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think it's more from the comics. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm calling a yeah. picture of it right now. Yeah. It does not look like anyone that we've seen yeah so it's a really interesting figure though like i gotta there, say there are some loki variants uh in the background of the uh episode five the bowling alley uh, uh is that where they're all underground <laughs> yeah yeah that i think and they start be, fighting they start fighting that would be fascinating uh some of those there's one guy who has bicycle handlebars on his helmet instead of the <laughs> horns that i think would be worth the price of admission yeah um, i remember that one i was like what what the hell yeah so yeah these are the marvel select ones are definitely the comic book so this is the kid loki from young avengers and this is the agent of asgard loki from approximately 2014 or so 
and this is the so Loki has been Lady Loki. So very complicated. Uh, Loki dies in Ragnarok and then is reincarnated as Lady Loki. Mm. <laughs> then later dies again, is reincarnated as Kid Loki, and then is later uh, becomes Agent of Asgard Loki. But it's very 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 complicated. No no worries. Um, <laughs> so this this is if you're a comics fan and a Loki fan, this is a really cool set because Marvel Legends has not done either of these figures. And I mean, it it almost feels like with the TVA hell you don't even have to have it from the show just variations just like Iron Man you have all those oh, Iron gosh. Man Dude, yeah why not have like whatever Loki you want to make just random put a Loki head on every single body that you've you've done up till now yeah just do a build a Loki like you just sort of do like you know like a Lego thing like and it's especially because like there's so many there there's one scene in might have been episode two where they're sort of scrolling through they're in the tva and then loki sees all these other variants of loki's that are sort of on the screen yeah you know one of them is a soccer player yeah it's all this other stuff you know it's just sort of endless and which i hear that that particular one the soccer player one that was reused from infinity war or oh really i think so it was because it was just that image right but it was taken from a previous movie maybe the dark world i forget but it was taken from there and then just kind of recolored and then uh edited to be the soccer player sure that'd be cool i i, I another figure um, before, uh, before i forget that would be cool would be lady sif although now if I, now i'm thinking about it um they have done lady sif and marvel legends from the mcu they did but that face sculpt is wonky and it, it could definitely okay. use a an update yeah, they could revisit her. It was great to see Jamie Alexander again, who is going to be in Thor: Love and Thunder. People, um, so get excited for that. Yeah, they could do her. They could do sort of swappable heads, one with her haircut and one, one not. Who else am I thinking? I had someone uh, the else. The lady in the camper. Oh, the camper. Yeah. On that purple planet. That'd On the fun. purple planet. Yeah, there, there's so there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff. One thing I hope they do with Sylvie is they've only shown a couple shots of her so far. I hope she does have an alternate head sculpt where she's not wearing the crown, the horns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sort of, you see her with the crowns at first and, and that's cool. But then for most of the show, she's not wearing them. Uh, she and got rid of it in that purple planet. She punched somebody with them and then they were gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't see them again. <laughs> so the purple planet was uh, Lamentus One was the name of the planet. And... Okay that she uh, pulls them off and punches a dude straight in the face with them. And then I don't think we see them again. I mean, um, come on. It's yeah. been through someone's face. Yeah. You can't wear it after that. You can't wear it after that. I mean, she probably would. Sylvie, very practical, <laughs> but um, yeah. And outstanding. Sophia Martino, an absolute discovery. She's done some acting, a lot of sort of British TV uh, in her career, but my God, she was outstanding as Sylvie. Uh, real, real discovery. And Sylvie was, uh, for me personally, the best part of the show. So I'm really glad they're doing the, the figure. And then also on the comic side, so the Marvel Select is doing those figures there of Kid Loki and Agent of Asgard Loki. They haven't done uh, Lady Loki properly from the comics. No one has, I don't think. I know Marvel there, Legends has a Lady Loki, A-Force, that Marvel Legends A-Force set. Was there Lady has- Loki in that one? Yeah, because it also has um, She-Hulk, mm-hmm. like a, a, a good version of She-Hulk. 
and the singularity i think as well is in there I know what, yeah i know what you're talking about oh there she is yeah you're right i forgot completely about that now i don't know how old that set is but it fast became one of my holy grails it was from 2017 so this is four ish yeah four years ago this had a few figures in it this is a major set actually yeah. because this has monica right this has the um specter spect uh yeah it was it was it spectrum or was she i don't know she's had a few names monica um but this is one of the better monica's she's, she's labeled as monica rambo monica yeah, rambo yeah. this is probably my favorite costume in monica's mm-hmm. and then they then they did that's lady sif there yep the comic lady sif and then there's lady loki which is also by the way for comic nerds at home is actually lady sif it's just loki in her body <laughs> oh yeah look at that yeah it's he he uh when he was reincarnated he took over lady sif's body um in the comic books um so the sylvie the sylvie lady sylvie in the mcu is a amalgamation of the lady loki idea and sylvie lushton who is the second version of the enchantress so she's sort of an original character sort of they sort of blended her together and then you have singularity who is just a really cool figure and then you have the she-hulk who is sort of um she's the avenger she-hulk but she's sort of that her costume is basically the john byrne fantastic four costume without the four <laughs> hmm. and then uh this because uh, they the wouldn't be was... able to make the fantastic four right by the when they made that, that... Yes, at that point, no, they weren't doing them. Yeah. They didn't have the license for it. And then the lady with the red hair—I don't know who that is. Ah, that's uh, who is that? That's oh, uh, Bloodstone. About. Yeah, Bloodstone. Don't know a ton about her, uh, but yeah, you. This is a great set, and I couldn't even tell you what the deal is on this as far as the cost because three hundred fifty dollars. There you go. <laughs> Sugu, Sugu knows. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been scoping that stuff. Uh, none of these figures have seen uh, any kind. Of, they have not been revisited at all. Uh-huh. And most of these should be because you got three mate four major characters here who are now in the MCU: uh, uh-huh. Sif, Lady Loki, uh, Monica, and She Hulk. Here in a minute. So yeah, Hasbro. <laughs> and look, I uh, I was telling you earlier. I just got the green She Hulk. Uh, yeah, that just came out. Yeah, which I was really happy because, you know, it does it's it doesn't come to Japan so quickly usually. But this one's here. Great. Fantastic. Uh, so I have it. It's on my shelf. Beautiful mold. Oh, like absolutely beautiful. Except one of the better for, ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for like, I like She-Hulk when she is uh, happy and a lawyer <laughs> and with the briefcase and not the rage monster because like i i don't know i always thought it was really interesting in comics that bruce banner was rage and then he became the hulk but jennifer just enjoyed being she hulk yeah jennifer was not driven by her anger in the way that bruce was in the beginning that was never her deal and she she could get angry but she, you know, she was a Hulk, but she was never motivated by that. And she was always much more connected. She was just Jennifer, but a Hulk. Mm-hmm. So all of her personality and intelligence and her wits, most importantly, uh, were, remained intact. So that really differentiated her. So I totally know what you're talking about. That's a great figure they've done here just recently, but it's more 
and she has two different heads. She's got yeah. sort of the rage monster head and she's got more of a relaxed portrait. Yeah. But it, it's sort of undermined by the fact that she's in this, she's sort of in a t-shirt and jeans type deal. And she's just like ripped out. Her clothes are all tattered. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Put her in the business suit. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to get the Fantastic Four, the John Byrne, She-Hulk here this year. It's the 60th anniversary of the Fantastic Four. And we're getting the John Byrne Fantastic Four costumes here at oh, the end really? of the year. Yeah. So they're doing the. Mm -hmm. I saw the uh, Marvel Legends Fantastic Four set that's out. I'm just not interested in them. Like the Human Torch is not on fire. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. How how is he just kind of normal and then only his hands? And Mister Fantastic has long fingers. Like what? That doesn't come on. Yeah. I mean, no. Mister Fantastic should be one of those like Stretch Armstrong figures. Yeah, I we're we're getting those those figures in the John Byrne costumes. Um, I believe it's towards the end of the year, and I'm I'm hopeful that She Hulk is going to be one of them. She was a major part of the John Byrne run during the sort of the mid late '80s, and one of my favorite characters. And I have a feeling, if not this year, then we'll get her here very soon because She Hulk, the She Hulk. MCU series is coming out next year and there's mm -hmm. probably going to be a lot of She-Hulk love in Marvel Legends so we'll probably get a few versions of her the lawyer version of her I think is one that they should definitely do they've never done her and it'd be a lot of fun you know Jennifer is there's a really interesting the story where a storyline in the comics where where Jennifer actually would um, defend people in cases and trials that the TVA TVA would put up people on trial for time crimes <laughs> And oh, really? Jennifer, Jennifer was actually someone who would defend these people. And so she has a relationship with the TVA in the comics that might be interesting to exploit in the MCU as they kind of go forward into Loki season two and, and her show. I have, I, I don't suspect her show will probably involve the TVA in any way. Yeah. At least at the beginning, but that's something that might be kind of fun as they go forward. Yeah. That, that could be an interesting little twist. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, yeah quite sure how i feel about it i kind of like kind of like with um spider-man i like him being the friendly neighborhood spider-man mm -hmm. i like him being in that close area same thing with she hulk like in her area not these like epic cosmic galactic scale stories I'm a big fan of all of it, so I am kind of okay. I'm it's like you know, I I really like Black Widow just because of how much down on the ground it was, in the same way that I love Loki for how ridiculously cosmic and multiversal it is. So yeah. I, I love all of it, and then I especially like the characters who can kind of do both, who can kind of thread that needle, and they go from the street to the sky. I think that's really cool, and it's it's not all of them can do it, and like you said, not all of them should. You know, some of them don't, you know, She-Hulk is a character who you can kind of put in any situation because she, you know, she, you know, Fantastic Four, Avengers, the courtroom, she can do all these different things. Uh, some characters, not so much. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it kind of works because she has really strong connections to a lot of characters. There's actually a storyline in 2006, 2007, where she was put on trial herself by the TVA for telling a past version of Hawkeye that he was eventually going to die at the hands of Scarlet Witch. He died. Scarlet Witch killed him in the storyline, which became House of M. Yeah. Um, that's that's a story given all these characters and what's going on now in the MCU that could easily play out on screen. 
that's probably a little bit down the road though but that 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 type of shit is like amazing like you know like just sort of those little comic connections that they can sort of take advantage of but yeah here's to seeing a lot of she-hulk figures i hope so maybe we kind of got, got away from it for a little bit but so about Loki, hey, it happens <laughs> maybe it's a good point to kind of talk about the show uh, you know Loki in general like sort of our um impressions of the show overall i think for myself i really enjoy the show overall what about you yeah i loved how zany it was how absurd it was um all the way up until the very last episode and then i would it just took such a turn for me that i was like ah no they 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 did like the worst thing you could do in terms of writing right how so well so you and i have talked before about uh, about the fact that it was all exposition but for me from a writing point of view their season finale being all exposition was just a not a good writing decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I get why they did it. And, you know, as someone who uh, has read some of the Marvel comics, I get the references and what they're doing and kind of picking it apart. Mm-hmm. But from a writing point of view, it was just the big bad explaining the story. <laughs> And I get why, but from a, a writing point of view, I'm just like, oh, wait, no, 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 that's that's terrible. And I, I think there's better ways that they could have done that. I, I love what they did, like the moment they crossed could they crossed the threshold and how he who remains is just like, yep, all right. I don't know what's going to happen anymore. And I kind of like that, you know, like mm-hmm. and, and I like that he was just like when when Loki asked, why are you doing this? And he's like, because I'm bored. <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I love all of that part, but to have the show just be, or that episode be so heavy on exposition. And because then the other problem that that sh- that episode has, which to me kind of derailed the whole show, is that it now became a setup for something else. Like, Loki was no longer a story on its own. It's now served the purpose for the next thing so i think this is so fascinating because like i it it's loki i think is the best example so far of the mcu sort of all the mcu movies and series now are sort in some ways these puzzle pieces of a larger thing but they mostly inherently are individual narratives right at least they um, should be and that's what they used to be this one very much so i think is the best example of where it's it that tension between its two purposes which is one it's a singular thing it's telling a story about loki this this loki his variant going on this adventure and then it's clearly all set up for this next who knows five six seven years of the mcu and we should give context for people kind of wondering what we're talking about so they go into um they go they reach the end of time they go into the citadel which is at the end of time it's the fortress of a character who never names himself but is called he who remains by miss minutes he goes by many names he says including uh, the conqueror including the conqueror and then he tells a story and gives visual aids for the, for the audience, which makes it very clear to comic book fans that this is Kang, 
the Conqueror. And Kang the Conqueror is the great time-traveling villain of Marvel Comics. Uh, one of the major villains uh, from the very beginning. He debuted in Avengers number 8 in 1963. Um, oh, so and he's always been an Avengers villain. He started as Avengers villain, but in one of those weird twists of comic book fate, his one of his major variants in the comics, Rama Tut, who it went back in time to take over ancient Egypt, debuted in Fantastic Four 19 in the same month, September 1963. Those two comics were on the stands at the same time. Now, did they uh, know that they were going to be the same person? They they did not. They were. This was a later retcon that happened a few years down the line when they sort okay. of, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like these two guys are <laughs> the same guy. And then in a nod to Rama Tut, I wrote an article. I was talking about Sylvie's costume. Also, I wrote an article about He Who Remains costume in Loki. He is wearing a pair of sandals, which are a clear nod to Rama Tut's Egyptian sandals. Uh, if you look close in the, uh, especially when he jumps on the desk, he is hanging out in some sandals. So um, his costume is a port, is sort of a big portmanteau of uh, a lot of influences from his variants, including Immortus. Well, we'll we'll leave Immortus to the side for a sec, but so this is all set up for one, the multiverse, and then the coming of Kang the Conqueror, which is going to play out in the next several MCU movies, most notably uh, Spider-Man and then Doctor Strange, and you should expect it to play out in some others as well. So Kang is the big bad of this uh, next segment of the MCU. You know, he's the Thanos of this group, um, Mm -hmm. this next set. And wow, what a villain. I, I love Jonathan Majors. He's a great actor. He's a great choice for this. He plays sort of a loony. He who remains has sort of been in, inside too long. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's spent too much time alone. He's, he's very old. He's very tired. He's very worn down. He's a little bit kooky, Willy Wonka yeah. kind of a figure. This is not the Kang proper that, you know, so people who were like Kang and then they're like, who is this weirdo guy? This is your Kang is coming later. You saw glimpses of him in Jonathan Major's performance. There's a couple mm-hmm. moments where his voice dropped and he got very serious and he goes like, that's Kang, look out, you know, but this guy was just sort of the guy who was like, you know, oh, look at you. <laughs> I got he was keeping all the other Kangs at bay keeping them all at bay because some of them as he said are very 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 nasty and then but to your point i i so let me say first i loved it the setup i'm perfectly happy with it i thought it worked really well i was i was giddy i was excited i had been calling kang since episode one of loki could only have been kang there's all these great easter eggs in the show for kang and then as we got closer and closer the only thing i didn't know that was going to happen in episode six like were we going to see just a glimpse of Kang or reference to Kang, but they went, they gave us yeah, so much, you know, and, you know, they gave us Jonathan Majors who had been announced as Kang for Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. But so to see him the minute that door opened and I saw Jonathan Majors, I literally was like, yes, like Kang, you know, and then, then it wasn't really Kang. It was, it was this, like I said, it was basically Willy Wonka, and he was like, <laughs> it's the precursor to Kang. The precursor. So, but, but then it's all this setup and it was all this exposition. Like you said, I was perfectly fine with it. There were some really heavy Return of the Jedi throne room vibes. The Emperor, Luke, and Vader that mm-hmm. I thought they could have done even more of. He's sort of playing those two off of each other. Yep. You get a little bit of a fight. And that's the thing, right? Like, I, I liked that it was Kang. I recognized that it was Kang. I mean, his his outfit to me screamed that Kang the Conqueror outfit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, way too many hints. The, the same color scheme and everything. Yeah. Um, same design cues, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I like that he was there. I like that, that, you know, as you were saying, the throne room, the idea of playing the two off each other. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And I liked how you really don't know which is true. You know, like he might be lying. It's very possible. He might be telling the truth that, you know, like you, you don't know. I thought that was great. But the show was the the show itself structurally was exposition. It was exposition heavy. I think part of the problem too, I think to your point is the, the, I don't think the biggest sin in this episode is the exposition slash setup. I think it's the fact is that Loki becomes a passenger in the in his, in own, his story. own story yeah yeah i was thinking about that too i was like wait because what happens is is that they get into the the throne room of he who remains and he's giving the story but really and it's interesting it's fascinating you're like what is going on but really the only dynamic that's at play is whether or not sylvie's going to kill this guy right and so the story is about sylvie and from the minute that sylvie shows up in the series the series falls in love with her and is much more interested in her than it is actually Loki himself because Loki actually goes through his big change and Loki changes a lot in this series. He goes yes. through actual in a way that the, in the let's call him Loki prime never did his sort of growth and arc was very gradual incremental. Mm-hmm. You never saw it all at once. This Loki goes through real appreciable change, but it's already happened by the time they get into the room. And, and I would say most of that's that change, which like, I absolutely appreciate that they they tried to go for that yeah but it really feels like most of that change happens off screen so that every time you see him it's a different development that you kind of skip to beat on yeah i think most most of it is sort of in it happens as a result of sylvie and his exposure to what he's seen and it's it's you don't you don't get the you, but you don't get a moment like you don't get that dramatic moment where you witness it through he, he has dramatic moments but you don't get it and the, the real what's really at, at stake and what's really hanging in the balance in that final episode is nothing of loki loki's already made up his mind he's i mean he's already arrived at where he's going to arrive at it's sylvie is sylvie going to go through with this dogmatic thing that she's been living with this revenge that she you know she's got to destroy the tva for destroying her life or is she going to as he who remains says is she going to grow up yeah and um she obviously goes through with it. it's heartbreaking for her it's terrible she's and then she kills this guy just like i did it and then she realizes there's nothing she's she got nothing out of it not just because instantly the timeline shatters but it wasn't she wasn't fulfilled she wasn't relieved in the way she thought she was but also at that point the camera cuts away so we have it no idea away. what happens after after killing we don't she sort of she sort of sinks to the floor in despair Mm -hmm. the timeline is fragmenting we don't know if sylvie is going to turn around in that room and find herself surrounded by kangs um we don't know any of that stuff um and so loki she dumps loki back to the tva but it's not the tva it's a tva in which uh he's in a different timeline in which uh kang the conqueror properly proper kang has um established his he's the person behind this version of the tva not the timekeepers and we see this statue of kang literal comic book costume right out of the comics no adjustments uh just jonathan major's head (laughs) yeah which is outstanding moment to end on so i for me the biggest problem in the final episode was that that missing element for loki they forgot about loki 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sylvie, they love Sylvie. We all love Sylvie. And they're just like, it's, he sort of just disappeared into the background. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like his character arc to me, because it happens off screen so many times, it just feels like the show was using Loki as a vehicle to just get to Sylvie. Like she was actually the main character. She's actually the one who needs to undergo the the yeah. arc. But I, she yeah, doesn't. She doesn't. And it's heartbreaking because it's, she has the most potential, I think, as the as a character. I mean, I think Loki Loki is Loki, and I, we all love him. We all love Tom Hiddleston. But I think you're right. I think the show, whether it's the writers or or just whatever happened, they get into Sylvie, and they're like, oh, she's just infinitely more interesting. She's new, mm-hmm. right? And she's Loki. And there was a moment there in episode four where Loki is pruned, and you think he's dead. And I would have been okay if they'd actually gone through with that, and we were left with Sylvie. And your big See, swerve in and the series that's would have been the, the, the that's the problem with the show is because you were okay with that. And so was I, to be honest. When when yeah. he, he was pruned and Mobius, I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's that. And then move on. Mm-hmm. You know, but then but he's the title character, which means that the fact that they did that means that they're playing with the audience. Well, it wouldn't have been the end of Tom Hiddleston, right? It, I mean, we would have gotten other variant Lokis and Sylvie just would have gone and got herself another one. But the but his sort of, you know, the, the multiverse does a lot of things. This sort of concept of the multiverse does a lot of things in the narrative, which is it allows you to sort of keep your progress while still like starting over wholesale. Yeah. And Sylvie's sort of the best example of that. There's some things that don't work with Sylvie, especially vis-a-vis Loki that I, I'd love to get into. But I I think for myself, for my money, I think she was the best part of the show. I think she was just creatively for the show. She was kind of where all the dramatic action was. And that was the big, you know, one of the big faults. I love the, the series overall. It's major fault, though, I think, is that, like, as you say, in the end, it's, it's he disappears that the sort of the stakes fall away because the stakes are huge. They couldn't be bigger, but the personal, like Loki doesn't have to make a choice. He he makes a choice. He's like, and then he's like, well, I I think he's telling the truth because I'm a liar, which is not as Bono says. Yeah. (laughs) As as Bono said to fly, a liar won't believe anyone else. So that doesn't work. His choice, his literal choice that he was expounding on the thing that he his ultimate final dramatic moment is wait, stop and think. That's not dramatic. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very important for people in general to do, but that's not a dramatic arc. That's not a dramatic end. That's not that's not even a dramatic action. It is literally just stop. Like that's his that's his big climactic action moment is stop and let's think which is it's, great on paper like in a it's, book it's but fine terrible yeah, it's, for for a visual he's not put in the, it comes up but he's not put in the position of having to be it's not it's not believable why he decides to defend he who remains or which is really what it's what's happening he's defending the system mm-hmm and given where for five episodes he was let's take down the system as well because i believe in free will i don't want to believe that i am predestined for anything 
and and that's a fascinating turn. It's a fascinating thing to explore. And but we it don't happens like off screen. It happens off screen. It's like you said, we don't ever see that moment where he's like, we have to he, like that realization or that moment where like we have to preserve the TVA. Yeah. You don't see it. And then you don't have this reckoning either because it's not believable because he just says something along the lines of like, I can't be trusted or I forget how he says it. But like, you know, you can't trust. I can't be trusted. And it's just. And, and that line should have had a lot more weight to it. It really mm-hmm. should have. Because yeah. that, that to me, that is the crux of their relationship, right? Like their entire relationship is built on this idea that they're both the god of mischief. So that means they both, neither of them can trust each other for the exact same reasons. And yet they're forced to, maybe not forced, but they're on the same mission path, right? So that's the crux of their relationship. That could have been really interesting. There's so much interesting things they could have done with Loki and Sylvie. And this was kind of getting to what I was uh, mentioning there a moment before, things that don't work. And one of, one of the things that I think they kind of miss here, there is a, there's an allegory in Loki and Sylvie about trans identity which sort of walks through the back of their entire, all their scenes together mm-hmm. that never comes to the surface and is, I think actually in some ways, it's not the intent. I don't believe at all of the the writers, the creators here to do anything disparaging, but because it's not conscious, there's some things that don't work about it. Mm-hmm. Let me kind of begin at the beginning. Loki is a man who meets himself, a version of himself as a woman. And it's about these two people. There's a great moment in episode three where it's about acknowledging the respect for each other, but him for her, this moment of sort of self-acknowledgement, self-respect, self-love, which is extraordinary, sort of a realization of the deep appreciation, a conscious appreciation of the other and, you know, in yourself that's then muddied by having them be romantic themselves yeah right. that that romance angle felt so ham-fisted and canned and like it, as a writer i would not have done it i didn't hate it but it muddied the you know because they to me they're two different people so the people are like oh my god like it's incest it's not incest they're, they're two no it's people. not incest but they're two different but i would not have done it and, and it muddied for me the real story between them which is that this is the, the the trans aspect of it which is then completely confused in the final episode when they meet he who remains and he who remains sort of makes light of the fact of of the two of them and how rare it is and he actually <laughs> when he brings them into the office or the throne room or whatever you want to call it he actually dead names sylvie by calling her loki he actually, he he's trying to antagonize her that way. And I don't believe this is conscious. There's no, because they're not thinking about their, the approach by the writers is not, a, this show is not a trans allegory, but in not being conscious of what they're doing in that way, the, they're, they're leaving that moment by he who remains in it to be interpreted that way. That to me does not work at all. Like, like that stuff is like, Loki and Sylvie are much more interesting as two separate versions of the same same person. There was sort of a suggestion that Loki would be gender fluid in the show, which sort of led led you to think that maybe he could actually he was going to change sex in the show. That was completely left, you know, 
to the wayside. There's a completely throwaway line that's easily muted for different uh, audiences where he's bisexual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, When they're talking on the train. Just as it's like it's a throwaway line. Like, you know, if this and, and I'll bring this up because I still remember very vividly the um, one of the Star Wars movies, but easily in Chinese audiences, you can take that that scene in Loki where they're talking on the train mm-hmm. and just mute that part where he yeah. implies bisexuality. Yeah, and the show goes on. It goes on, and I'm a big believer in showing your work. I, I don't think it's enough to sort of um, to make statements or to sort of have suggestions or a wink at the audience, you know, and say, "Oh, well, we're representative." Mm-hmm. It's like it's great. It's great that you say, "Well, Loki, Loki's bisexual, and that he's had affairs with men in the past." Well, let's see it because you you put that out there, and what is what what does he do? He, he falls in love with a woman, um, you know granted she's a version of himself but it's the some of that doesn't work and you know i didn't like also the suggestion by the other loki variants that there was only one female version of loki that was extreme that was was dumb like it it actually 51 percent of the lokis would be women right so so that doesn't make sense at all actually the to have all the other lokis be men with these and have sylvie be some unicorn was just that's just foolishness yeah so you know sylvie can be special and there can still be other lady loki's so yeah because was her so if we back up a bit the loki's have all developed a specific special power right like old man loki his he was the best uh conjurer yeah and yeah. then sylvie she was the best uh enchanter mm-hmm. right but I don't know what the Loki Prime was or Kid Loki or an alligator Loki. I assume his thing is he's an alligator. So anything he does that's beyond alligators is awesome. Uh, alligator Loki's primary ability seems to be leaping enormous distances <laughs> and chopping people's hands off. There he leaps go. out. He leaps out of a swimming pool, something like ten feet, and off comes president loki's hand right um so kudos to him gravity's different on his world um kid loki we don't really know he killed his brother boastful loki we don't really know because he he says something along the lines of he killed thanos or he killed captain america one of the two and took the infinity stone so we kind of think that's bs but we don't know yeah but the so point we- is like every loki has done something to be like the master of mm-hmm. one of their set of powers yeah for sure. And it's, yeah, it's that, that, that whole thing didn't work. I think that, you know, it's some of the, it was it, imperfect, you know, for sure. I mean, the show, they're all imperfect, but this one was sort of like, they, they had such a great opportunity, I think, in the dynamics with and Sylvie to, and Loki. And to me, that's why ultimately it was just so disappointing, right? Cause it was, it was building up and building up and building up and yeah, it had some stumbling blocks on the way, but it was still building up to something. And then it just kind of fell flat. Um, I, for me personally, it didn't, I, I think it, I th- the payoff was great, especially, but I will say that I think that show played differently to two, 
to two different audiences. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. So I think if you were a comic book nerd like me and and like a lot of us and you were you got all the hints, you got all the suggestions, you all, you got all the wink wink nod nod, you were like, "Yeah, it's the best thing ever. It's Kang the Conqueror." And you got it and you get to pat yourself on the back cuz you were right. If you're just some if you're a general audience member and you're like, "Who is this guy?" What does any of this matter? Why are they just talking? You know, you probably like what's and then and then you know someone's like, oh, it's King the Conqueror, and you're like, who? <laughs> I mean, I can see that, but like, I'm in the middle of that, right? Like, sure. I read the comics, I knew these characters, and I I picked up on on what was happening, and I understood the references and all that. But to me, it was all about the delivery. It was. It's like, for mm-hmm. example, yeah. um, instead of reading the comic book, you would read about the comic book and call it the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I No, I hear what you're saying because I, I give this a lot of thought uh, in my own writing. So I'm, I'm writing, we talked about it a little bit on the pod before, so I'll just reiterate briefly. I, I'm writing a series of books, my Eververse series, which has to do with superheroes. And architecturally, it's, it's it has similar things to what we're talking about in the sense that it's it's a series of novels and every novel is has a beginning and end. it's a self-contained story but it's also a link in a chain mm-hmm. that goes on and it's there's a sort of a master narrative that's going and so you have but you have to be conscious of what you're saying is is that the what the problem with loki is that it's it's a link in a chain but you didn't get that closed there's no, as we said, there's no closed loop for Loki disappears in his own story. That's sort of beginning, middle and end. The self-contained part of it doesn't really come together. And so it just sort of mostly open-ended set up for the rest of it. Not just season two of Loki, but the entire MCU, you know? Yeah. So and, that, that and part that's doesn't the thing, right? Like that's one of the things that I'm really concerned about, but I'm not really concerned because I have zero financial stake in the MCU. But um, right. one, of the, one of the things that, that I'm concerned about with what the MCU is doing, and we started to see this in pre-Endgame, hmm. where the movies were, were leaning heavily on setting up the next movie in the chain. Sure. And it wasn't just an Easter egg in the post credit scene. It was actually a just as important as the rest of the movie but it was actually there to set up the next one. Now, the thing is, the MCU was still very much establishing each movie as its own thing, but then here's the link to the next thing. But with this uh, season six, or episode six of season one of Loki, it just felt like, yeah, everything is just going to be setting up the next thing. Like, that's its purpose. And I'm not really confident that that's the best approach for the MCU to take. I think it might be singular. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'll, I'll start with, um, I think it might be singular to this episode of Loki because this episode of Loki is carrying a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And so one of the problems is sort of the, the regression of Loki into the background of his own story. But the other one is that this is an architectural, this episode with the introduction of Kang is an architectural element of the MCU in a way that a lot of the other movies and certainly the shows are not. So this is a major, major piece and it's doing a lot of work. It's explaining, introducing the multiverse, Kang, all of that happens in this episode. I mean, the introduces, the, the multiverse is introduced 
in the series, but the whole concept of what's going to play out here in the next few movies, next several years, I think, with the MCU and relative to the multiverse happens in this episode. So it's doing a lot of things that most of the other movies really haven't done. Right. Um, so that's that's slightly different. So will we see that again? I don't know. We, you know, we could. I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. To me, it seems like a business decision as opposed to an artistic one. And I just have to ask the, I have to ask for me, the obvious question is episode six with all the weight that it has to do with all the things that it has to cover was what we saw the most effective and the most efficient way to do that. And I can't say it is the most efficient way to introduce Kang in the multiverse you mean? to carry all of that weight. Is that the most effective and the most efficient? And I can't really say that it was. I think hard to say. I, I think there, there's definitely um, character and dramatic things they could have done and should have done better relative to Loki and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. I think that's playing a role in all this. I think the other part of it is, is that these this is just a big chunk of stuff and that this exposition was always going to take place somehow, some way. And that's the hardest thing in writing. I'm here to tell you is like getting through this, like, you know, the, the chunk. Yeah. Cause you know what I mean? You got to explain this shit and you're like, how how do I do it? You know? Well, look, I'll, I'll give you an example from the education world, right? Like um, I see teachers who, you know, based on their curriculum, they have a lot of stuff to get through in the year, right? Like you've Mm -hmm. got to make sure that your elementary students, if you're teaching G grade four, You've got to make sure that at the end of grade four, they have all of the necessary knowledge to get them to grade five, right? Like that's a lot of stuff that you got to get your students to learn for in, in a year, right? There's a lot. The thing is a lot of teachers in order to get through all that stuff, they lean on the lecture, the lecture approach. So they just sit there or they stand at the front and they just, tell the students everything they need to learn by the whole by the end of the year Mm -hmm. to me that's what this episode feels like is just a a lecture and is that the most effective and the most efficient way to get your audience to understand what you're talking about and for me coming from an education point of view the lecture isn't effective it isn't efficient it is literally just one way right yeah, we've talked about this before. It's it's show don't tell. Yeah. Um. He who remains tells. He does a little bit. He does a little bit of a show where he does his little. Uh. He does a little animation with little clay figures, but um. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. He from a storytelling point of view, a narrative point of view, this would have been more successful if we'd actually seen it in a way. A good cheat to do that in film or television is just to actually do it. Yeah. So, and he who remains has the power to simply show Loki, uh, Loki and Sylvie uh, what he's talking about. So he yeah. opens up a door, and I actually thought the episode was mostly going to be this. I thought it was going to be like a haunted house trap door. They'd open a door and go to some other timeline. Never really happened. It'd be sort of like Doctor Who type shit. Yeah. And that never really happened. But what he could have done has been like, well, let me show you what I'm talking about. He opens up a door. They go to the 31st century. Nathaniel Richards, that's his name in the comics. Um, is that his it is in his lab and he discovers the multiverse and then and then you go on and you open another door and then you go to the 40th century and there if in the comic books as 
plays out differently, we meet Ravona. Uh, but in the MCU, she's a high school <laughs> high school principal. I would love to see Kangaroo the Conqueror. Kangaroo the Conqueror, you open another door. Oh, yeah, that because right? that connects directly to Alligator Loki, right? Exactly. You got to do it. You, now you got to do it, right? Um, you know, like that type of stuff. Like, and he just keeps opening doors, and he's like, and then, but you see, you see, the problem with the multiverse is, is I open all of these doors, and then when you open all these doors, you know what comes in? This guy, and then there's Kang, right? Yeah. It's like this, and you can't get rid of this guy. The only way you can get rid of him is by doing what it did, right? And so you should thank me. Yeah. You should thank me because I saved your ass from this from guy, me. right? From me. <laughs> yeah. So and it, you mm-hmm. see, like right there in what, five minutes, you did it better than what we got on, on the show. That's right. Marvel, I am available by the uh, <laughs> I have very, very acceptable rates. Um, <laughs> as in, I will work for free. Um, yeah. No, I. Yeah, I know. I, I appreciate that. But the, yeah, it's it certainly it's the show don't tell. You can do it. It's, you know, it's not like they didn't have the money in the budget to like, right. you know. And that so. is my singular problem with how episode six just to me fell apart because the entire <laughs> previous five episodes, <laughs> like five episodes is such a big number, but like all the other like the, the show what it was leading to it was leading to what you had just done in yeah. five minute treatment yeah it's the opening of doors and that that's the multiverse and that's and it it's this it's infinite and behind everyone is something you can't anticipate or imagine and it might be close to what you think but it's not the more the further you go the further from home you get the further you know you get to sylvie mm-hmm. right look Lo- you get to someone who Sylvie is a Loki but she they're two different people and they're for two completely different timelines and and experiences and this is not the multiverse concept you know I could go on about this forever but it's a lot of it is we're imposing when we think about it like how does the multiverse come about it's this sort of series of choices and decisions that diverge points of divergence we're imposing a human point of view on it Mm because we're like what if um, we talked about the challenger a couple weeks ago. What if the challenger hadn't exploded? What if JFK hadn't been killed? Mm-hmm. What if nine 11 hadn't had all these things? That's not what the multiverse is. The multiverse is goes down to cellular points of divergence in time, going back to the beginning. So everything that's ever happened, every little zygote, every little dust moat that falls, whatever, right? All of that. It's very little to do with us, right? It's part of it. We're part of it, but it's very little to do with us all of those are different universes right Mm -hmm. so the alligator loki is a loki because he came from a universe where the alligators just won out right yeah and that happened 65 million years before any of this other shit right right so that's that's how you get to alligator loki so it's just it's sort of you know so there are versions of there's a dinosaur loki out there somewhere and on and on and on yeah so i mean you know that brings up one of the one of the things that there was a question that was asked that was really interesting and it was purposefully never answered mm. what did sylvie do the moment that she was picked up what did she do that that branched the timeline why was she that a age yeah. yeah right like right. that's a fantastic question and it was purposely less left un, unanswered, you know, and I, and I appreciate why they did, why they did it that way. That's fine. Yeah. 
but that's the point, right? Like her very existence was the branch of the timeline. I have a theory for folks who are interested. Um, <laughs> Syl- Sylvie and Loki are the ancestors of Nathaniel Richard. Okay. Who becomes King of Conqueror. And you can't, you cannot allow Sylvie to, she's not the only version of Sylvie in the multiverse, right? So you can't allow her to exist because the, the only threat she is. So he who remains presents it as he's pruning timelines in which Kangs emerge, right? Mm-hmm. Why is he super focused on Loki? Why, why, why are all the variants that we find in the void and they're like, well, it's because we survive. But the TVA seems super hyper-focused on Lokis, right? I just figured because God of Mischief. It could be. What else is he going to do except branch timelines? Fair enough. But what if the other part of it is is that they're they're directly related, maybe literally, but they're directly related somehow to the emergence of Kang. Does that mean that Loki is related to Mr. Fantastic? Right. Right possibly well not necessarily so nathaniel richards is from the 31st century right he is in the comic books a descendant of uh reed and sue richard but in the mcu maybe right you know so i don't know i mean that's just a theory my batting average on theories is pretty low but (laughs) you know i think there is a reason that he's 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 worried about loki's and there's a reason why he allowed loki and Sylvie to get as far as they did you know okay uh, yeah I mean, it's it's interesting i have no idea how to take that to be honest i yeah. think it makes as much sense as anything else right <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't like the idea that their kiss causes a rift even within a planet that's about to be destroyed and that kiss is also how it opened up a portal so that Sylvie could kick Loki back into a timeline. Yeah, so on Lamentis, that's kind of my, that's one of my big uh, pieces of evidence for them. It's those two together, their relationship, their rom- their romance, eventual children, maybe, question mark, is what, what that creates that huge point of divergence, why it's such a threat to Kang, not to Kang, to he who remains, um, because they produce Kangs, you know, eventually. Yeah, yeah but like, Okay, let's let's go back to Lamentus, right? Mm-hmm. So they kiss, and then that causes a divergence, even yeah. though the planet is about to be destroyed. Yeah, and we we were just told that that's how Sylvie was able to hide, so she could do anything she wanted yeah. because the 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 apocalypse was gonna happen anyway. Exactly. So yeah. how does that kiss change everything? They don't explain that. It's just that you, they see on their TVA board that the timeline diverges dramatically in that moment. For what you're I, saying, I assume it, something else happened, but then it, could the be. show is kind of implying that no, no, it's just them kissing because they're the same person. It's like, yeah, but so they're not. Yeah, it's it's confused. It's one of those things they don't explain. It's part of the thing that's get, that gets muddied with the having them be romantically involved, which again, I w- I wouldn't have done myself. I think that you could have had them. I think the idea of them being just sort of friends was much, much more interesting. I think that was much better, actually, because I I think Sylvie needs what Sylvie needs more than anything is a friend and is someone who's going to say that you have value beyond this thing that you're doing. Like you've lived your whole life. You were emotionally and intellectually still nine years old. 
and you, you you've lived for this whole thing your whole life and you need someone to tell you you need someone to invest in you and have faith in you that you're more than all this you don't need to do this and loki i think is trying to do that to his credit he's also trying to get some so it's like none of that really works you know yeah um, especially i mean i did i will say if all this was to give owen wilson a great line to talk about like this is the ultimate form of narcissism yeah okay okay pretty, that yeah. was that was a great line i'll give you that yeah yeah but that can't be the purpose of putting them together it just feels like such a business decision to yeah to have a romantic angle in there that's why i kind of feel like my theory were like that they're involved in some relation some way with the emergence of kang is probably somewhat accurate because that's the thinking i think that's going on in the series is that there, there's these sort of narrative purposeful links whereas I think that's the thought process behind this stuff. And so I think, you know, they're thinking that there's, this is, you know, the romance is the key to the divergence. So therefore, no, but I mean, we'll see. It's season two, you know, there's going to be a season two. Um, we'll see if there's any changeover in the creative. I know um, the uh, director, uh, Beth Heron is not coming back. Uh, she's doing something else. Um, Michael Waldron, the head writer, we'll see if he's coming back. He, I know he's doing something else in Marvel um, that uh, maybe he won't be doing season two. He's doing something for Lucasfilm too. Is this uh, the, is this the first Phase Four show that has a season two? Because WandaVision is finished, right? Captain America done. And, the, and Winter Soldier finished. Yeah, so there won't be a season two of Falcon and Winter Soldier because that's going to become Captain America Four. Um, and Wanda is one and done. So this is the first, yeah. Won't be the last. Um, my understanding is we're going to get multiple seasons of Miss Marvel, but, um, and probably She-Hulk. But, um, so this is the first, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if there's changes. I would love, you know, I, I, I do want to say, I, I, Michael Waldron and the other writers, there's a few other writers that did outstanding job and Beth Heron, outstanding direction in this show um, and great casting, my God. Man, Amazing. if only they were listening to this, you could get hired. Yeah, again, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> very, I'm very, uh, I'm very friendly and easy to work with. A couple of weeks ago, we were assuming Warner Brothers was listening. <laughs> hey, just all you guys out there, Warner's Lucasfilm. No, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I, you and I are big believers in show don't tell and sort of that sort of thing. And I think it's a good thing to remember, even, even in shows like this, where these writers are obviously, these are some of the, the best writers working. These guys are outstanding and they, they do, they deserve all the kudos. It sometimes helps to just sort of think of it and sort of, you know, get, get as basic, you know, back to basics as you can sometimes. And in terms of, cause this is a very complicated show. <laughs> yeah. So it may, it might, it's, it's good to sort of like, you know, maybe sort of lean on, sort of core concepts yeah and you know for me I, I always ask the same question is this is what i'm doing the most efficient way to do it is it the most effective way to do this and up until episode six i was okay with what loki was doing i mean there were there are quibbles along the way but i was trying to see like kind of you know i was more forgiving into like where this was going to lead but mm. yeah, is that the most ef effective way? No, it's the most, probably it's the most time efficient, 
you know, just like in education, the lecture, it's the most time efficient. You have, I, I imagine lecture and then yeah, done. I don't know. I imagine they probably thought they were doing a swerve. They probably thought instead of doing the big climax that we do at the end of all of these, let's, let's, you know, zig instead of zag and, and we'll do a sit down. Um, that's probably was the, I'm going to guess that was probably the motivating factor. And to me, that brings up another issue, right? Like, there's so much in the in in WandaVision and Loki, especially where they played with audience expectations mm-hmm. for the sake of playing with audience expectations. I'm perfectly you and I have talked about this before, uh, if not on the pod, we certainly <laughs> in just normal <laughs> conversations. I'm a big fan of messing around with expectations and subverting them. But the main thing in subverting expectations is you have to know what they are first. Yeah. So, and you, you got to do like, it for a purpose. You can't you just do, do it just for just for yep. kicks. Just, just like exactly like you said, you can't do it just to do it. And you know, for I don't know, sort of the Zack Snyder's of the world, <laughs> if you're like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna play around with expectations. That could be interesting. That can be cool. But you have to know what those expectations are, and you have, you know, when you're going into something like Marvel, especially now at this stage in the MCU. Right. The MCU is the only game in town. The expectations are so high. This audience is so educated. They're so experienced. They know, they anticipate. And so you've got, if your goal now is to out clever them, it's probably going to be unsuccessful because. Oh, why? absolutely. Yeah. You're, these fans know more about them, more about the universe than they get than they do. In many cases they do because, it, you know, and not to toot my own horn, but like when you're, when you're up at seven in the morning watching Loki and you're like, did they say Iliath? <laughs> and you're like immediately like, you know, Terminatrix objective number one, 1993, you know, you're like, there's too many people like me. Right. You know, who that know, and like when the Ravona comes on screen, you know who Ravona is. She's Kang's lover, Avengers 23, 1964. Um, like, like Jesus, you know, like we were in on it. And then you got this great new audience of younger folks who've grown up with the MCU who are hyper into all of this. So you can't really to have fun, like play around. The, the, we love having fun. We love the guessing game. We love the speculation. We do. <laughs> But sort of outfoxing this audience at this point, I think one, I fairly impossible, and then also probably unnecessary. Yeah, like it's there's no point to just playing with the audience just to play with them. Um, I'm reminded of, gosh, how long has it been now? Uh, 15 years or so, where Lost, that TV show Lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when they were starting to wrap up they were doing this online poll or something um, and people were submitting their theories for how the show was going to end. And the writers were like, no, nope, all of you are wrong. We're, we have something completely new and different. And then it turned out it was actually something that someone had predicted right from the beginning. They'll, all, they'll always predict it from the beginning, yeah. right? People will always know what it is. Someone out there, they're just that, of they course. just know it. They're clever. And to give an idea that the writers of Loki, that how prescient they were and conscious they were of all this stuff, the speculation. Episode five in the void has a number of lost references, including a smoke monster, a hatch, <laughs> yeah. etc. Yeah, um, I thought all of that I was like, this is yeah. So okay, all right. They they know what they're doing, so they're having some fun. 
But Lost but was a great example. Who are they having of, fun at the expense of? I don't know if it's at the expense of anybody. I think they're signaling it to the audience that you know that this that this is not a guessing game. It's it's because Lost was famously the empty box, right? Mm-hmm. It was there was nothing at the bottom of that. It was always just like, what is happening? There's going to be mysteries. There's going to be there's going to be reveals and blah blah blah. And they get oh, it's nothing. It's this classic JJ JJ Abrams <laughs> mystery box. There's nothing in the box. And I think what they're signaling in episode five and Loki is that it's not empty, right? It's not, it's, there is, you get it in Alioth. Alioth is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, well, Ravona, but those two together and some of the other context clues were clues to Kang. And that's what you got. There was mm-hmm. no, this was for as big and frilly and like what the H is happening, what the F is happening in this show. This show was actually what you thought was happening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I love that. I love that because that was, that was different from Wanda. Cause we've got, we were all over the map on Wanda. Like we're like, Oh, it's Mephisto. It's like, no, it's not. Right. So it's, <laughs> so I think that the, I don't know if it's at the expense of anybody, but that, that was them sort of telegraphing that this is not going to be lost. You know? Well, do you remember the show or the movie um, suicide King? kind of yeah it was done a while back maybe 2004 2005 somewhere then there if not even earlier Mm -hmm. but there to me there is a there's a a part in that movie that is so such a perfect example of what i'm talking about in terms of playing with the audience expectations and Mm -hmm. utterly failing to do to do it well um because in general the movie, the plot of Suicide Kings isn't bad. Like I, I like that movie, right? But there's a part where you go to the kidnappers and they're always talking about her. Did you feed her? Did why? How could you leave the door open? You know, she'll get out like that type of stuff, right? And it's deliberately trying to lead the it's there just to mislead the audience. But then when they reveal that her is actually just the cat, like there is no, literally there is no point to keeping those scenes in the movie. Those scenes could have been cut from the entire, they were there only to mislead the audience deliberately. And and that's what I'm talking about, right? Like you leave these little clues for the sole purpose of misleading your audience. And that I I think is when you fail to subvert expectations. Yeah, that that stuff I, I hate, and th- this is something I've played with my own my own writing. I, I'm a big fan of sort of mysteries and sort of intrigue and things like that. And so part of that is the red herring. And so I've done this a couple times in in my books. So in the Judgment of Valine, there's sort of a central mystery about who the attackers are in the book. Uh, there is a significant red herring. Folks who are reading the book have probably figured out who it is. Uh, book four is uh, there's another mystery. It's probably who you think it is, right? I don't do a lot of sort of that what you're talking about there. I think that's I think that stuff is pointless. But you got to have a little of the the red herring to have it be a mystery. But that in itself has to serve a purpose. So when they exactly when you sus- that suspect who isn't the actual culprit there has to be a narrative justification for why they're a suspect. And that has to play into their arc and um, in some way. And so what you're talking about is the exact opposite of that, where that's just 
it's just ephemera it's just there it's, it's there literally for the purpose of playing with the audience right yeah and yeah. that's that's the issue like i'm fine with leaving clues along the way i'm fine with red herrings that's all fine and good a good example of of what i'm talking about is the usual suspects yes the whole movie laid it out plain as day what the yep. conclusion was going to be you just missed it that's on you the audience they told the story clear and i remember i think i want to say my third time watching that movie i noticed that verbal kent had a gold cigarette lighter that he lit pretty cleanly with one hand mm -hmm. i'm like oh my god how did i miss that clue it's it's a great movie because it, it has one of the great endings right and then it completely recontextualizes what you've seen before and then you watch it again and then you say oh it's all there right yeah, right but and you're the mo it's a sleight of hand because the narrative is like pointing you towards very points you very deliberately towards gabriel burns character mm-hmm and he's not he's not kaiser soze and then it obscures verbal but on on the rewatch but it also plays with our own our own conceptions yes. right like we see verbal kent as uh you know the weak one so we we just yeah. kind of discard him as even a possibility yeah which leaves it open for gabriel but, burns character to be uh to be in there right like but the movie the movie does, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sugu, it's been, I've been a while since I've seen it. The movie does raise the specter of verbal being Kaiser Soze and dismisses it. Doesn't, doesn't the, the detective, aren't, are, are you Kaiser Soze verbal? Isn't there a conversation like that? He's like, oh, don't be stupid. Something like that. Something like that. But it was totally played up as like a, a like a joke. Something right. Which like the whole point of that was to discard verbal, right. From the, from the audience. Right. So like the audience is like, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, sure. Because sure. the audience, your educated audience is going to come in there and they're going to think, just like you said, well, he's the weak one. He's the whatever one. So the audience could be, I've seen all these movies, mm -hmm. right? It's like, I know how this works. And so it's going to be the person you least suspect. Therefore, it's going to be verbal. So the narratives, the narrative discards verbal because yeah. it's like, no, it can't be him. But so the, the difference with suicide, with the usual suspects compared with Suicide Squad or Suicide Kings, sorry is that you had that one blip moment in usual suspects that the audience took and ran with it. Yeah. Suicide Kings forced you to keep yeah. thinking that the cat was the girl. Yeah. Right. Like over and over. So even when you're just like, no, eh, it's probably, it doesn't really make sense that the kidnappers actually have her because the other story doesn't make sense. Okay, and then it cuts to the kidnappers talking about her, which again, no. completely pointless scenes. Yeah, mystery for the sake of mystery, the mystery box thing, which J.J. Abrams espouses, and that is it undermines a lot of movies because people not not just him, but people took that as some sort of successful plot device. It's not because the mystery box is empty because there's there's nothing mm -hmm. inside of it. It's th that's the whole point is there's nothing inside of it. It's to generate intrigue and excitement for the purpose of simply generating it. it, it, it there's no actual anything to it. And that's not, you. there has to be purpose and value behind all of your narrative choices. You know, right. that's sort of what in narrative one-on-one. Um, but JJ is a billionaire. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah so that's that's kind of my take on the last episode especially of loki but the show up to that last episode i really liked it was absurd in a good way it was wacky it was all over the place it was cool it was it was really interesting and then the last episode i i liked the information that was in there i liked what Mm -hmm. it was doing i just don't think that was the best narrative narrative way to do it yeah i think we agree on that and i think we've had a really good conversation about like different ways they could have done it and and sort of different ways to sort of approach those kinds of things and how the mcu is in a place where they have to serve a lot of different needs it's sort of a a, there's many layers of narrative going on in the mcu that are tricky and are challenging because as as it gets bigger and as it expands one thing i was going to mention earlier i didn't is that one thing that's happening now in the MCU is that there are, it's getting so big that the, some parts of it inevitably are going to be inessential mm-hmm. um, because not all of it's going to feed. And there's actually right now two different major plot lines going on. There's the Kang plot line and then there's a plot line from Falcon and the Winter Soldier and some other stuff w- involving the Contessa. And so, oh, right. Right. So these are two different tracks that are pretty much unrelated. I don't see how they could be related. Yeah. And I mean, so, or to that's, put another way, you've got the prime timeline mm-hmm. and you've got this multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, it's just going to keep going to get bigger and bigger. We're going to get more TV shows. We're going to get more movies. We're going to get more characters. And and like in the comic books, we've had 60 years of Marvel comic books. Not all of it's essential. Not all of it is sort of required reading, right? There's sort of big tent poles of things that are very important mm-hmm. in the history and lore of Marvel. And there's a lot of it that's not, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's sort right. of inevitable, <laughs> you know. So maybe that's a good place to kind of leave it for today. Um, in, as far as Loki, we've had a great conversation about Loki. The show, again, I really, really liked. I am really looking forward to season two. And I'm super looking forward to what we're doing with Kang. I cannot wait. I, I think I'm I'm always like Kang and I'm really interested to see what they do in the MCU. Like, are we going to get Kang or are we going to get, I think we're going to get variants of Kang, like numerous variants of Kang, mm-hmm. which could be kind of interesting in its own way, you know? And I'm curious to see what Jonathan Majors does with it. We saw a little hints of it in this episode. I think he's going to be really, really good as Kang. So I'm all about it. I can't wait, you know, because um, the, the Thanos was so interesting as a villain. He snaps half of all life. Kang literally has already done it. He's already erased entire universes, right? So right. you can kind of see where this is going. I think Kang's ultimately his big, his big violent act in the MCU is to erase the MCU, right? So it's probably I mean, going to happen. Deadpool right there. That's Deadpool, right? Deadpool's like, I lived and stuff. So um, we'll, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Wouldn't it be cool if Kang erases the MCU and the only survivor is Deadpool and it's Deadpool who saves, he comes yeah. in and he saves the franchise. He's like, they don't pay me enough for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Deadpool and Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. I'm back, baby. Yeah, I mean, so I I, I have a question before we, before we sure. go. And this is going to sound really weird, but what is Kang's, or he who remains, what is his job? What does he do in the Citadel at the end of time? Like, he's not actively pruning anything. He's just sitting there, crossing the threshold. But what does he do when Loki and Sylvie aren't there? What's he doing? I think, like I was saying earlier, he he sort of spends a lot of time indoors. I think he's just... (laughs) Uh, I don't think he does anything. I think there's probably some aspect of what he's doing that he's monitoring everything. But 
because the moment he died you saw all those branches yeah so he's doing something and it looks like so you're something mentally so you're saying he was sort of actively willfully controlling that i think so because the moment he died yeah like it started branching right so what's his day job They're like, they're like, uh, he who remains, do you want to go to the park? No, I can't. I'm keeping the sacred timeline together. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a growth industry to manage the timeline, but like. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, maybe hopefully we'll get some answers on that because that's a great point because it's his death alone would create a timeline, right. but maybe wouldn't cause the divergence that we saw. So um, he must he's be doing holding something. Some, he's something. Yeah. He's doing something actively, like at yeah. all times. Yeah. And that's interesting. I, I at least just so many interesting things because not just with Kang, but Ravona. So Ravona, we, we see Ravona leaving the TVA. She goes, she's going in search as she says of free will. By that, she means the person in charge. She's not going to meet the person in charge because Sylvia's killed him. She's going to meet Kang, I think, proper Kang. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead to, I think, a reflection of their comic book history in which they become lovers um, and in which it is very violent and very tragic for Ravona. So I think that's fascinating. And I'm dying to know if Loki can get back to his Mobius you know, he's in a different TVA. I'm dying to know what happens with Sylvie. Are they going to, of course, they'll get back together. But like, you know, what happens with Sylvie? Like, what? where is she going next? So that so, brings up another question. Because you yeah. remember he who remains offered another choice, right? Instead of killing mm-hmm. him, yeah. they would take over the throne. Yeah. Okay. So what, was there a probationary period? Like training <laughs> where he would teach them how to manage this timeline? And so, because where I'm going with all that is she killed him. Yeah. So now she's in the position to take over the timeline if she wants. But how? She has to figure out how to do all that. My guess is that Sylvie will not attempt to do anything like that. She will, will, we will either see her escaping the Citadel or she's already done it when we pick up in season two, but she's going to be in the same boat as Loki is that she will not be able to go back where she started because the multiverse is shattered and there's no getting back to where they were. She doesn't even have good. Well, I was going to say like the past is also, is it fixed or does her, does her timeline branch off again even though it's already been pruned yeah i was just about to say she won't even be able to go back to her timeline because it's been pruned so she could go back to she could find a timeline which has similarities Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't be hers and she would be holding court with a version of herself her her past is gone i think that's the thing she has to accept which is terrible she has to let it go and there's no future for her outside of maybe Loki in the sense that, you know, the, the, they have at least, they have a connection. The, you know, if they stick together, I think they'll be relatively okay. But they also need to, I think there's a big question mark about whether they even belong together. You know, whether they're better, you know, they serve, we'll see. Like, you know, like if that, if it's their destiny to be together or if they, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of playing a role in their, each other's lives for the moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. We don't know about that, but yeah, I think I think they're both stuck. They can't ever go home again, type thing. So they got each other, and maybe get back to Mobius, and maybe they get on those jet skis and they go riding. 
uh was it you that sent me the uh picture of mobius yeah with, the, with, with alligator, alligator loki, loki. Alligator yeah jet ski. yeah yep <laughs> it's gotta happen yep it's gotta happen all right so this was a long one but that was good yeah a good really good conversation That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find out more about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find you? You can reach me at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Give us a holler. We love the feedback. We really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody listening. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Bye-bye.